never, ever marks this spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Dracaris. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that never expected it would find out the name of the Rancor in Jabba's Palace is Moochie. My name is Drew. I'll be your host of the evening. <laughs> Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Hey, man. Here. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> um, it's going well, actually. Um, did you know that, by the way? No, I, I was going to ask if that was true. That's uh, that's pretty um, awesome. Um, it is true. Um, I've been watching uh, The Bad Batch on Disney+, Plus, which is absolutely fantastic. And they had an episode where um, they had to go and rescue a child by the name of Moochie and you're expecting it to be some alien species. And then it turns out it's a rancor and you're like, Oh man, an adolescent rancor. And up until this point in the star Wars mythos, we've only ever seen on screen one rancor. And that's the one in Jabba's palace. And at the end of the episode, Jabba's cronies arrived to collect the adolescent rancor. (laughs) Great. That's hilarious. I'm like, Oh my goodness. That is not a story I was expecting ever to get, <laughs> but that's right. Um, but yeah, that kind of rolls us right into uh, watching and reading. Um, do you want to tell me, do you want to just kick it off and tell me what you're watching and reading this week? <laughs> yeah. So um, I actually had like a pretty busy weekend and I honestly haven't been able to watch much. Um, unfortunately, I did start watching Jupiter's legacy on Netflix. Um, oh yeah. Which, which I'm liking so far. Have you watched it at all? Uh, no, um, I'm, I'm really curious about it because Matt Lanter, who plays, who voices Anakin Skywalker for the Clone Wars um, series, uh, he is one of the main characters. Um, so I was really just kind of curious because I like him as an actor. Um, and in a weird, inopportune way, I kind of got to meet him. So it was just kind of like, ooh, I want to check the show out. Um, and I heard an interview with him about... Um, I was listening to an interview with him about said show. So it just made me more and more interested. I just haven't had a chance to pull the trigger yet. So. Okay. Yeah. That's uh that's actually pretty, pretty interesting. Cause um, I've definitely heard that name. Like, I think I knew that he played Anakin, but I don't know what he looks like. So now I want to look him up and see which character he's actually per- portraying on the show. But um, what you I can say about this, sh- said you, started the show? you said you started the show. Yeah, I'm two episodes in at this point. Okay. Um, but yeah, like so far, I'm enjoying it a lot. It's a lot more um, dialogue. Matt, Matt Lander, play, Matt Lander plays George. Sorry to interrupt. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, it's it's all good. Um, it's a lot more dialogue heavy than I was expecting so far. So, um, and I I don't know if it's one of those things that it's a slow build and then 
by the end it's like nonstop action or what, but, uh, it's, it's very dialogue heavy and it's very, um, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but it's very all over the place. Like there's a lot of pretty dense dialogue where you have kind of a lot of things going on in the background because it's, it's one of those shows that, uh, takes place surrounding a, uh, you know, this world famous superhero and kind of his family and, uh, it's you kind of get that sort of analogy that we've seen in a lot of other movies and shows where you have the Superman character and then you have the kids who are underneath them underneath him. And, you know, what kind of um, experiences or trauma or, you know, what's the trials and tribulations of being like Superman's uh, kids pretty much. So you're dealing with that. But at the same time, there's like a lot of weird um, social economic and political like background stuff going on at the same time. And then there's also just your sort of superhero villain um, storylines with, you know, different like action scenes and stuff like that. And it's just one of those things where so far there's a lot going on and I'm really liking it. And I like that it's really dense, but it's also just, there's a lot going on and I don't necessarily know if I have a firm grasp on how I feel about it. It is one of those shows though, where as soon as you finish an episode, you have to watch the next one, which I think they've been doing a really good job on as they, it's just one of those shows where the cliffhangers, every episode just suck you into the next one every time. Um, and since it's since I'm still pretty early in on this one, I don't know if I can say too much else. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is the way the superhero designs and costumes are some of my favorite that I've seen for a while. Um, they're kind of it's kind of crazy, but I feel like the superhero costumes are kind of the perfect blend between the DCEU and the MCU, which is kind of pretty funny. But a lot of uh, MCU costumes I've noticed have like kind of these cool uh, intricate sort of like geometric patterns, like on the characters chests and stuff like that. And this show has that a little bit going on, but then it still has like some of the cool costume textures and some of just the, uh, sort of like badass iconic sort of uh, looks that some of the DC costumes have. And so like from a visual aspect, I've just been really enjoying the character design and the costume design as well. Um, and the special effects and everything are really good as well. But it's just one of those things where in a couple weeks, I think I'll have much more to say about this one. Uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing more. And I just, like I said, it's something I plan on checking out myself. So um yeah, I just got to get time in my schedule to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, episodes are an hour. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're an hour, like, yeah, 50 minutes to an hour, somewhere like that. Um, but yeah, how about you? Have you been watching anything or that's that's all you've watched? Yeah, literally, it's just Jupiter's legacy for me. So, OK, very cool. Um, the uh, so I've watched uh, um I, I was a little cramped on my time, but obviously I've been watching The Bad Batch because while well, we talked about Moochie just a minute ago, um, <laughs> I finished uh, the final episode of uh, Mighty Ducks is out. Uh, ooh, wrong pipe there. My voice made a weird sound there for a second. Um, the final episode of Mighty Ducks is out, <clears throat> which is uh, fantastic. The season wrapped up really, really well. It kind of wrapped up in just the way you'd want it to. Um, and it was just, it's, it was just handled really well. So hopefully they do another one. I mean, you could have just done this one season, done a one and done and call it a day, 
but hopefully, hopefully they do more. Um, and then I finished um, Castlevania, which, oh, nice. was, which was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um, it was that was such a fun, fun way to end that show. Um, it's kind of sad that it's gone. Um, I kind of feel like I should rewatch it from beginning to end, though, and see like how well it flows. Um, because I never really felt like this. I never really felt like the story. You know how some shows will have like an overarching story for one season and then the next season they move on to the next story. I never really felt that way with this show, but I wonder if it flows properly enough to have that feel, if you will. But I don't know, though. Um, I'd have to I'd have to actually rewatch, like I'm saying. So uh, maybe I'll give that a go. But it was it was really cool. And my kid walked through the room one morning because I was watching it before everyone woke up. And he walks through the room and pauses and looks at the TV and he goes, are you watching Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, but I totally see how you got that. And that's kind of cool. Um, but it totally hit. Yeah, it definitely had that has that feel this season, if you will, just because of uh, uh, the combat anyway, that is so. Um, well, that's that's great to hear. Um, I really want to watch this like super bad. I'm actually behind on Castlevania. I still need to watch season three. And uh, it's one of those things where I know like season one, I feel like was pretty straightforward, but season two, there was a lot of intricate sort of um, character moments and stuff. And I was worried that my memory of season two was a little bit rusty. And I kind of wanted to do what you were just talking about is go back to season one and just binge through the whole thing. But I've kind of just, I just haven't had found the time to yet, but oh man, I want to catch up because I loved the first two seasons so much. And uh, yeah, there's two more seasons just waiting for me. So I just need to actually make time to do that. So uh, no, but that's awesome to hear that it was really good. Um, and I love that. Uh, I mean, I would say the first two seasons definitely had a bit of that dungeon and dragons vibe as well um especially at the end of the second season when they're like raiding uh dracula's castle and stuff but um yeah i just think uh it's really cool that that uh that vibe is still carrying on in the show so well what i thought was interesting about like season one and two i just felt had like this perfect pacing and season three i just felt slowed down and not that i disliked it i just thought it was slower paced and i was like i don't know if this is working for me but and that's I think that's one of the reasons why I really want to rewatch, because just thinking about that slower pace of season three, maybe it wasn't as slow paced as I thought it was if I watch it all together. Do you know what? I? Yeah, that that really makes me wonder if I like season three more if I just start the whole thing over. But now that I know how it ends with all the knowledge, it's kind of like when you like Game of Thrones, whether you like the ending or not, your opinion, your your knowledge of your knowledge of things and who characters are going to make the opening of that show and the rewatch that much better because your level of understanding is going to be different. Um, and I've already, and I've, and I know people who've rewatched game of Thrones, for example, and have already told me that. So, um, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I don't, I hope I didn't cut you off there. No, I was going to say it's one of my favorite things to do with a show is, uh, like a couple weeks ago I was talking about, uh, <laughs> we went back and we restarted, uh, true blood. And it's one of my favorite things to do with a show that you know and love is to go back and start it over and you start to see, 
you know, if the show, at least if it's been planned out since the the beginning well enough, you start to see things that are hinted at and foreshadowed and, you know, episode one, two and three that you're just like, oh, man, I didn't I had no idea they were hinting that uh, so and so is going to go do this later on, you know, in the first episode. And I just I just love that stuff. Um, and as far as like season three, like I said, I haven't watched it yet for Castlevania, but Season two, I think they had a really good balance between action and um, kind of just really good dialogue and story bits. Like there was a lot of um, almost it's funny that you brought up Game of Thrones because there was almost these like Game of Thrones esque uh, bits, you know, going on between different members of Dracula's court. Uh, Dracula's court as they were kind of uh, all trying to screw each other over for their various uh, motivations and stuff like that. And maybe season three focused a little bit too much on that, like dialogue heavy um, sort of concepts. Uh, I'm not really sure, but um, yeah, maybe they just leaned a little too much into more of the dialogue and the scheming in that one. Um, But yeah, this is another one I just can't say too much on yet. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I we'll we'll definitely be able to talk more after you see more. Uh, I see what you're saying with True Blood and stuff, but we'll definitely be able to talk more when you uh, watch Castlevania and uh, see how it plays out. But that I that the fourth season was just it was just nonstop. It was fantastic all the way through it. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so yeah, all right. So that kind of brings me to the end of my watching and reading. Um, we have short news tonight. Uh, it was kind of a slow news week. Um, do you want to jump on news real quick? Yeah, let's go for it. Sweet. All right. So this is a weird one. I thought this was a bizarre coincidence. We talked last week about how uh, Amazon is purchasing MGM Studios. Do you want to put that up? So because we were talking about the um, AT&T selling um, selling Warner Media and to Discovery. But the fact that Disney might be looking into it and everyone's like, well, why doesn't Amazon jump on that? And then we found out Amazon's buying MGM. This I found very interesting. I found this on Twitter. Um, uh, the Senate is considering giving Jeff Bezos a $10 billion bailout, um, for his space company. Um, I'm not entirely sure what Jeff Bezos' (laughs) space company was. However, in totally unrelated news, Jeff Bezos is buying MGM studios for 8.5 billion. (laughs) That was great. So... The, the timing just looks funny. I thought it was humorous. So I just was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. So I just kind of had to pull that and make a quick joke. Um, <laughs> right. <on. laughs> but in the realm, but in the realm of that, because of the discovery merger, uh, because AT&T selling this to discovery, uh, Snyder perverse reportedly has a strong chance of being restored now. Um, so since the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League, those involved have been careful, careful to temper fan expectations of a sequel. Warner Brothers executive Ann Sarnoff described the movie as the completion of his trilogy. And Snyder has clearly stated that they are not interested in my take of Batman and Superman. And they begin moving on to newer projects. AT&T, however, has announced the plans to warn, to merge Warner Media with Discovery Network creating a new media entirely separate from the telecom giant with combined values of almost $150 billion. In a promising twist, this media monster will be headed up by Discovery President and CEO David Zaslav, who will have authority over WB executives Walter Hamada, Ann Sarnoff, Jason Kalar, and Toby Emmerich. 
it is safe to say that these four haven't been, haven't acquitted themselves well over the last few years, interfering with directors and alienating key staff. We can lar- largely chalk the failure of the theatrical cut of Justice League up to them as they were dead set against the Snyder Cut ever happening with, a- with AT&T having to go over their heads to secure it for HBO Max. Now, uh, leaker Daniel Reichman is backing up the story, saying the the moves mean that there's a strong chance the Snyderverse will continue. Um, so ultimately what they're saying is, is these execs over at Warner Brothers have not painted themselves a, a pretty picture of what, who and what they are for. And uh, these, this new CEO that's going to be in charge of them might be going, uh, we have this thing that makes money and literally like free money. And you guys are dropping it because you, quote unquote, don't like it. Um, sounds like. That's not going to be the case once uh, Discovery gets their hands on it. So um, I thought that was really good news. There's no promise to that. It's literally. I'm just kind of spouting out what I'm reading, and I like I said, I'm going to be following this really closely, and I'm just going to give nuggets as I find them. So um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Peter. I just wanted to. that. (laughs) Well, first of all, I appreciate all the nuggets. So uh, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, I think that, um, yeah, this is there's a lot to there's honestly just a ton to unpack there so this will be a really interesting story to see how it unfolds but um if they're gonna if somehow these weird um i don't know studio trade dealings however you want to phrase this if somehow this gives way to the snyder verse being restored i think that's just amazing and we're all going to be rejoicing so that's awesome um but as far as the um Warner Brothers execs that may or may not have painted themselves in the best light. I think it just starts to I think the fans are starting to see um, the results of uh, inner studio politics. And it's kind of a there's kind of a weird, like poignant commentary on the fact that, you know, in a world of fan service, it's really best to listen to the fans and, uh, you know, to listen to your directors and to put out stuff that the fans want, as opposed to making decisions on entertainment franchises based on, you know, inner studio politics. So and I, we don't have to necessarily delve super deeply into it, but it's kind of cool that, um, you know, I feel like the inner studio politics are taking a back seat, and, um, you know, we're starting to focus, at least hopefully we'll be starting to focus on just what makes a good story. What do people actually want to watch and kind of uh, move on uh, with Warner Brothers in that way, if that all makes sense. It does. And what I think these studios need to realize is the fans are a lot easier to please than you think they are. When it comes yeah, to, absolutely. <laughs> when it comes to comic books, they literally go, you see this thing on this page? I like that. That's what yeah. I want to see up there on that big screen over there. <laughs> Give me what I like now. That's what that's all fans are asking for. And I, it's a lot easier than you think. Um, there was an argument I had with a friend of mine a long time ago about how, um, like, for The Flash, and I please, Warner Brothers, don't hear this and suddenly think that what I'm saying is verbatim. But um, if, like, The Flash's suit is red, well, if you wanted to change the color of The Flash's suit, well, that's fine as long as you get the character correct. Does that make sense? Like yeah. we may whine and moan about the we may whine and moan about the suit a little bit, but at the end of the day, you get the character right and you get the story right. That's the the coloration of the suit is not going to be what people are talking about. They're going to be focused on the, the the fact that you got it right. 
Um, so in theory, you could do whatever you want to a point, but we're going to still look at the page and go, you see this thing right here that I like, that's what I want right here. You know? So I just think they need to realize that in terms of in fan service, I hate that term. We really need a new word. Um, because my opinion on fan service, my opinion on that is anything after the first one is fan service because <laughs> you have fans and that's why you make another one. That's why you make us a sequel or a remake or a reboot or whatever the case may be. The only reason you're making the other one is because there's fans. So it's all fan service after the first um, that goes with movies, books, comics, television. It doesn't matter. Everything after the first is fan service. Um, but we, uh, but I just look at it going, fans are easier to please than you think they are. And I think the studios don't understand that because you have, you don't have fans in the studios. You do in certain studios. Uh, you have fans running Marvel. You have fans running Star Wars. I think you need to take some of those, some of those execs over at DC need to be fans. Um, that's just my opinion. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, just kind of another tidbit I just kind of wanted to point on there is like we all do like to complain about when they get superheroes costumes wrong and stuff like that in movies. Like we don't like to see things change too much from the comics. But uh, I've used this example a ton of times and I'll probably keep using it. But uh, for me, it really goes back to uh, the last Airbender movie by M. Night Shyamalan. If you watch that movie all the characters look almost exactly how they're supposed to look when you compare it to the Avatar animated series. Like, all the characters look spot on, but when it came to their actual characterization, the way these characters are written, the way that they portray themselves, they did not feel like those characters that we all fell in love with from that series, and the fans still hated it. So it's not necessarily it's not necessarily like you just have to get their looks right. Like you're saying you need that character to feel the way that we all know and love and the way that we want them to. But when it comes down to it, it is really like accuracy as well as the heart and soul of these characters and these um, worlds, et cetera, that you're trying to portray. You need to, for the most part, keep it intact. We know that, you know, adapting stuff for motion pictures, you're you are going to have to change some stuff. But it really goes back to what you were saying, Drew. Fans aren't really <laughs> that hard to please. So, you know, you don't have to go changing every little thing, <laughs> I guess. Right. Right. Well, let's talk about uh, something we haven't heard about in a long time, and that's the Green Lantern series. I feel like we're getting tiny bits of news about it, but not enough. Uh, to I really feel like it's like once every month we'll get a new detail like, or something it's, like it's that. tiny stuff like, ooh, Guy Gardner's been cast, and then you don't hear about it for three months, and then they're like, ooh, here's this. Um, this has got at least a structure for us, which I thought was cool. Um Green Lantern's first season for HBO Max will consist of 10 episodes, each nice. one, each one hour long. And the show is set to reinvent the DC property through a story spanning decades and galaxies beginning on Earth in 1941 with the very first Green Lantern. Wow. Uh, now, the uh, and presumably they're referring to Alan Scott Green Lantern. Now, if you know your that's DC how I took it. Yep, that's me too. So if you know your DC history, essentially Alan Scott is the original Green Lantern back from 1941. 
um, when he was first introduced. Now, that being said, current DC, the very first Green Lantern on from Earth was Hal Jordan. Uh, the Ryan Reynolds movie focused on Hal Jordan. Awesome. It makes sense that they did that. Um, if you were a kid of the uh, late 90s, early 2000s with the Justice League cartoon, the Green Lantern for you is Jon Stewart. Uh, there's been several from Earth. Um, but if they're going to cover multiple Green Lanterns and they're going to go all the way back to 1941 and show it's Alan Scott, that's awesome. But this is what I liked about this is it's just a structure. It's kind of like a quick structure synopsis. So we kind of have an idea what we're walking into. And I, yeah, I just kind of liked what I heard and all that. So, yeah, everything sounds amazing. Um, I don't know. Um, as far as the comics, I don't know Green Lantern as well as I do like. Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman, as far as I'm assuming that 1941 was when the first Green Lantern comic was published. But that's something I don't know off the top of my head, you know, as opposed to uh, Batman or Superman, <laughs> like I was just saying. Right. But um, no, that's uh, it all sounds really cool. My one worry with the story is just that I'm hoping that they don't make it too big because it is a story that. From that description, you can tell that it's pretty vast and it's going to be spanning multiple decades and galaxies and stuff, which just sounds amazing. But it's you do worry that it's going to be too vast and they're not going to have like, you know, that they're going to lose sight of kind of the strong focal point of the story that we want to see. But that's something that I mean, they could prove me wrong and I hope they do. You know, it's just that's my one worry. But everything else just is sounding great with this show so far. Yep, I agree. Same here. So I'm excited. I'm a Green Lantern fan. So um, let's see where this goes. Um, all right. You ready for some good some other good news? Yeah, this is this is one of, this is one of those good news moments where when I say fans are not hard to please, you say stuff like this and we stop our whining for just a little bit because we can all rel relish in the fact that this is awesome. OK, we've talked heavily about the Spider-Man MCU nonsense, Sony DC battle. What's going on? Um, what are people? Uh, where's the contract lie? We have a, we have Tom Holland doing Spider-Man three coming out. But that's the end of his contract. But we have the Venom verse basically happening over there at Sony that's supposed to tie into the Marvel, the Spider-Man stuff with Morbius and uh, uh, like Craven the Hunter and whatever else they're going to do with the Spider-Verse. And then on the flip side, we have the Marvel MCU, which is basically going to get Spider-Man three. And then what? Question mark. OK, mm -hmm. so there is officially a plan for connecting Sony's Spider-Man universe to the MCU. Sony executive Sanford Panich, if I pronounce that correctly, has indicated that Spider-Man No Way Home will kick off a shared Marvel universe. Speaking to Variety, Panich, the president of Sony Motion Pictures, appeared to confirm that there's an actual plan to connect the Sony Spider-Man universe to the MCU with Spider-Man 3 possibly opening the door for Peter Parker's alter ego to swing between movies and tangle different characters as part of the shared Marvel universe. Their actual plan, their there actually is a plan. I think now maybe is getting a little more clear for people where we're headed. And I think when No Way Home comes out, even more will be revealed. Panage teased while discussing the third Spider-Man film starring Tom Holland. Um, the great thing is that we have this very excellent relationship with Kevin Feige. 
There's an incredible sandbox there to play with. We want more of those MCU movies to be absolutely huge because that's great for us and our Marvel characters. And I think it's the same thing for their side. There's a lot of opportunities I think we're going that are going to happen. Um, like I said, you say stuff like that and fans are all of a sudden happy. Any yeah, thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, it's cool that um, they, uh, you know, you're looking at two um, movie studios that are caught up in this kind of convoluted rights uh, situation with their characters. But it sounds like they're working out some really cool ways to uh, move on with their movies and, you know, ways that are going to keep fans happy because we're going to keep seeing these crossovers and stuff. So this is just good news all around. And, yeah, like you said, when it comes to keeping the fans happy, like, here we go, you know, finally, like some good news we hear coming out of these uh, streaming and studio wars and all that. So, yeah. And they just and it's we've been wanting to know what's going on with Spider-Man for so long. And, yeah, we got the movie coming and we're all excited for it. But now we I feel like we got like a legitimate answer for a change, which is fantastic. Absolutely. So, so yeah. Well, Peter, like I said, that is a short news week. So unless you have anything to add to that, um, that's it for the news. Yeah. Um, no, I, I honestly, um, <laughs> like I said, it's just been a busy weekend. So I've kind of been out of it. I don't have anything to really add. So, um, I mean, I guess we can move on to our list if you want or, uh, yeah, I don't sounds know. Like <laughs> a good plan to me. So Ryan, do us a favor and roll the thing. And now for the top five. All right, Peter, this is your list. Um, and I don't I feel like I maybe have taken it a, in a weird way, but sometimes <laughs> I feel like in, I feel like I took it in a weird way. But sometimes that's a good thing because it helps with our dynamic and it makes the conversation better in a way. So why don't you explain what your idea was for this list and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So uh, I don't know why I thought of this list, but one day it just hit me that we should do a list about a uh, playlist list that we have to put together while we're driving to a convention with a group of friends. So you're the driver, you're in control of the radio and on the way to Comic-Con or, you know, whether it's a video game or anime convention, think of it, you know, whatever way you prefer. But these are just a, a group of songs that you choose to play to get your group of friends pumped up. Um, and I actually had a really good time with this list. Um, there was two challenges for me. Um, the first challenge was actually narrowing down my list to five songs and uh, two honorable mentions. But the other um, the other challenging part for me was I was trying to I gave myself a weird challenge where I tried to pick songs that were somehow related to every fandom that you could go to a comic convention for. <laughs> so I was trying to work in some sort of superhero, sci-fi, fantasy, horror connection, as well as like thinking about, you know, other levels of like comic books, video games, anime, etc. And uh, I think I've got a pretty good all encompassing list and I'll explain that as we go on. But uh, and, you know, of course, some of my picks check off multiple boxes. But um, no, I think I had a I had a really good time with this one. And like I said, it was hard for me to narrow down. Like I honestly and Drew, I don't know how you feel about this. I almost feel like I could have I could do this as like a yearly list like, oh, this is our 20, 
2022 convention going playlist. But then again, I don't know how you dealt with this one. So I don't know what your thoughts are uh, overall. But I kind of looked at this list in a weird way because um, I, I remember there was a time like cause you're, your point of the getting in a car and going to convention makes complete sense. And how, how you how you were thinking in that way. But I was also thinking of a time that I went camping with a bunch of friends and there, we had to go on a beer run and I hopped in the car and someone was like, dude, we need some good questing music. And it was like, who, you know, what, <laughs> you know <laughs> what's the song that pops on? You know what I mean? So that kind of went through my head, too, because I drive because I'll drive like I listen to a lot of instrumental music when I'm driving around. I love film scores and stuff like that. And sometimes there's some really cool music out there that you just drive around and it just you just feel cool while you're driving <laughs> and right on. amped up or whatever. So my list is like kind of all over the place. But I was just thinking about. I was thinking about the quest, not just going to a convention with friends, but I was also thinking about the quest in terms of like driving fast on the highway and stuff like that. Um, so that kind of like went through my head as I was going when I was picking this out, because I also know that we're going to be sitting in the car talking and laughing and stuff like that. So how are you really going to be paying attention to the music? But that being said, um, I did put together a list and uh, I have my reasons. So um, nice. Uh, do you have any honorable mentions? I have one honorable mention, so I don't know if you have the two or not. <laughs> yeah, I actually have two. So um, I guess I'll I'll do one. You'll do one. And then I'll do my last one. So, um, yeah. OK, moving into my first honorable mention, which might be my most ridiculous pick. But um, speaking of wanting to work in different uh, genres and things, this is my pick that relates to um the fantasy realm of things. And, uh, Oh, I, I did want to mention too. I, one other challenge I really set for myself is I wanted to pick songs that were potentially familiar to the people listening to them, but weren't necessarily, uh, the first thing you'd think of. So some of mine, I tried to actually go with deeper cuts. <laughs> and, uh, my first pick is actually, I think a pretty deep cut, um, there was this old uh, Canadian metal band back in the early 2000s called Three Inches of Blood, and uh, they sing the song that is my first pick, which is a song called Destroy the Orcs, <laughs> which is a, a really awesome song about uh, killing orcs in a uh, battlefield. And uh, the chorus of the song is, is kill the kill the orcs, destroy the orcs, slay the orcs. And uh, it sounds exactly how you would think it would sound. And it's just as far as like your awesome, badass, brutal questing music, I think it fits the bill. So, uh, no, this is just a, a band I've been into for years and uh, kind of pretty random, but uh, definitely a really fun pick. So I thought I'd throw that out there. And I bet Drew's thinking we're going to have some very different lists as this goes on. Yeah, um... <laughs> We will. And I have not I have not heard this song at all. Um, and uh, and it's kind of making me like and I realize as we talk um, that, uh, it, yes, this is an audio podcast. And yes, I could probably play the music first. I'm like, oh, hey, this song and then run it. But then it makes me worry that there's a copyright thing that I don't know about. And I don't want to get us in trouble because the last thing I want to do is play some weird copyrighted piece of music. And then we get sandblasted with all kinds of like <laughs> take that episode down things. So unfortunately, you may have to go just look up the pieces if you're really curious what they are. Um, but if you know, like, for example, I'm pulling stuff from you might already know the music. Um, uh, if I call it something specific, um, so yeah, um, 
I don't know that song, so I have. <laughs> I didn't necessarily expect you to. This one's definitely a deep cut, but um, it has its time and place, and uh, I really love it. So, you know, it's an honorable mention. It's not necessarily the tried and true favorite. It's just, you know, one of the ones I wanted to make it on my list, and I wanted to have a fantasy related uh, song. So uh, sure. there you go. All right. Well, my honorable mention for the night, um, this is one where. Um, so when you listen to like a movie soundtrack, there's two things for this. There's two parts of the soundtrack um, in terms of the music. There's the soundtrack where you have the artists come in and they give you a song um, that is. Uh, let me see. What's a really good example? Uh, Kiss from a Rose from Batman. Yep. <laughs> That's okay. what I was going to say. <laughs> Kiss from a Rose from Batman. For, oh, no, no, no. How about this? Let's let's let me change gears. The Batman 89 soundtrack is all songs by Prince, but they're Prince songs. The score, which is the instrumental music that plays throughout the movie, was done by Danny Elfman. So you have the Prince songs with the vocals, and then you have the Danny Elfman music, which is the score. Both have their own iconography and are both famous for certain reasons. But when you refer to the soundtrack in that movie, you're referring to the music that Prince did. If you're referring to the score, you're talking about the Danny Elfman music. Every movie has two pieces. They have a score that's done by a composer and an orchestra, and then they have the soundtrack, which is all your lyric to music, if you will. Um, so uh, the first piece of music I'm referring to is a song from the score from the original from the first Transformers movie. Um, the Michael, the first Michael Bay Transformers movie called Arrival to Earth or uh, which Arrival to Earth. Yeah, Arrival to Earth. Um, if you know the Steve Jablonski score, it is absolutely astounding. But this is one of those like pieces that starts out really like kind of slowish, but it builds and it builds and it just gets and it, it kind of gets you like really amped up as you go. Um, and it's it's a long piece, too. I think it's like a seven minute song. But in terms of like getting your friends in a car and like going on that, like said, quest to Comic-Con, it's definitely one that like gets you like really amped up just the instrumental by itself. Um, and if you don't know the Transformers score, you really should go look them up. So I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you know the track, Peter, if you know at least the music from the movie. But if you at least know the movie well enough to pick out the music, you'll know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I don't know this specific track uh, that well. I think uh, out of the <laughs> two of us, Drew, I know you listen to film scores a lot more than I do, but I do. Um, I obviously appreciate music quite a bit when I'm watching a movie and uh Transformers, that's like one of the things that uh, people don't dispute about that. Those movies is the music is just great. You know, <laughs> like I've heard people say, like, yeah, it's cool to see all the really awesome cars and the music is great. Otherwise, I don't like those movies. <laughs> I'm like, well, fair enough, you know. So, um, no, that's that's actually great. And uh, this is like a really cool pick, I think, because. Even if it it is instrumental, it is a score, but it does give you that sort of uh, feeling, you know, the the feeling of excitement and it's going to amp you up for going to the convention. So I think that's an awesome pick. Um, yeah, I could move on to my next one unless you have more thoughts. Just the only thing I wanted to add to because you said you didn't know exactly where that was. The part of the film that that song is you'll hear it in is so Bumblebee was already on the planet when the other when the autobots are arriving to earth uh, and you see okay. they come in on like what looks like asteroids and then you found out they're actually the spaceships like on a on a trajectory path to earth um when they're arriving 
that's and, and they're kind of like eventually coming together as a group and you get to meet Optimus Prime for the first time and you see him transform for the first time. That's um, the music that's playing. So from like the full arrival to like you meeting Optimus and watching the transformation. So. OK, yeah, I can uh, vaguely uh, vaguely hear that in my mind's ear, I guess. <laughs> that's the best way to phrase that. But sure. Yeah, yeah, I can I can vaguely uh, yeah picture that whole thing. So that's yeah. awesome. Um Speaking of film scores, I did want to have a uh, something that's actually uh, score, as you were describing before. You know, most of my list is, um, you know, your typical sort of songs. But uh, I did want to have at least one pick that was from a score of a movie or TV show or video game, which leads into my next honorable mention, which I picked the Halo theme song, the original Halo theme song. And that also checks a video game box for me. Like this is my video game related song. And uh, this comes from wanting to pick a score, but maybe not picking, you know, Star Wars or one of the John Williams movies, not picking like the most obvious choice, but also picking something that everybody in the car is going to know. It's going to get everybody pumped up. Uh, I don't know what to say about Halo. This one's a classic. Um, that all this being said, my honorable mentions, I didn't think about transitions between songs at all. When we actually get to my actual list, I actually paid a little bit more attention to the transitions between songs. But, you know, we have Destroy the Orcs by Three Inches of Blood, and then we have the Halo theme song. Both the songs don't really uh, flow too well together, but these are just, you know, if traffic's a little bit slow and we want to tack on a couple extra songs, I think these two would do the trick. So, Well, the uh, the Halo theme, I totally hear you. That, that song's a bit of an earworm, and it definitely gets you, like, as soon as you get in your car and you start, like, if you play Halo for a little bit of a time, you'll get in your car and you'll start humming it as you like starting up the vehicle and start driving. It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. In, ter- in terms of the transitions of my list, there are no transitions at all. Um, and I'm saying that because I was a DJ for I did. I was a wedding DJ for like 15 years. So I always paid attention to transitions and going from song to song and like, how does it blend together? That's not how I took the list. I literally was like about driving around, like driving my car around. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no, I, I hear you. I had a um, friend in college who said, if you want to make a, if you want, this was back in the day when people would actually burn CDs. And I know there's a lot of Zoomers out there who don't know what I'm talking about right now. But uh, one of my friends uh, when I was in college told me, if you want to make a really good burned CD, you got to pay attention to those transitions. And that was just their one bit of advice that's kind of stuck with me for life. But uh, no, I hear you. I I didn't uh, explicitly say like focus on the transitions. It's kind of uh, approach this list how you will. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Well, uh, I guess that goes to my first actual pick of the night, right? Yeah. Okay, so my first actual pick of the night is a kind of a funny one. If you know the uh, episode of television, because the whole episode is specifically about this one song, but um, they are dead right about how this song is all about going on a quest, getting you up, pumped up. You're feeling cool the whole time. The lyrics are ridiculous. Um, the song primarily doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you think about it once you actually like break it down and try and think about it. But um and that uh, is the song. And I don't know if the song was written for the show or if it was they found it 
and were like, and like, this was a writer's room thing where someone's like, man, I can't believe you like this song. And they ended up building a whole episode around it. But that is from the television show Teen Titans Go on Cartoon Network. And, <laughs> and the song is The Night Begins to Shine by B.E.R. Um, <laughs> do you know this song, Peter? I don't think so. OK, I, maybe I do. And I just don't know. But. So go back in your mind to like the 80s style cartoons like heavy metal, for example. Okay. Heavy metal is probably the best example I can give you because of the way the episode of Teen Titans Go transpires. Um, so think about like those 80s style show. Think about the synth music and then think about that song that just gets you pumped up when you're like driving somewhere or you're just going like the synth scores that like the 80s music would use. And then. Um, so, and that's, and this show is about this one song because cyborg has this thing where he's like, it's the greatest song ever made. And they're all teasing him about it. And then suddenly like at one point you eventually see them like in this alternate reality, like all metaled out driving these like crazy motors <laughs> stuff across the wastelands and, and you're hearing this song and you're, and it, it was, they played the song so much and the episode came on Cartoon Network on repeat enough that I ended up having to download the song. So I have it for myself in the car. <laughs> like It's fantastic. <laughs> the song is amazing. You really, really need to go check it out. But <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to look that up as soon as we're done. That uh, sounds great. Um, and I love the Teen Titans Go connection. And uh, yeah, just from the description, even though. I'm not sure if I know this song or not, but this description is this is exactly the kind of thing I was looking for with this uh, with this list tonight. So that's, that's just you, great. And I'll tell you, there's a chance that this song was written for the show. I really don't know, but it's called the Night, <laughs> it's called The Night Begins to Shine by B.E.R. So B uh, B is in boy, E is in Edward, R is in Robert. Um, so if that helps, but um, B.E.R. The Night Begins to Shine. Uh, my kid hates the song now. Um, he says it, he, it's like it got too overplayed for him, I guess. But um. <laughs> that's funny. That's uh, no, that's a great pick. That's uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So check, seriously, Peter, check that out when we're done. Uh, what's your first pick for the night? Yeah. So my first pick, um, I was trying to think of a really upbeat song for the beginning of my playlist. And uh, I couldn't think of a better one than this pick for Comic-Con. Um, Drew, I'm not sure if you would be familiar with this, but there's a uh, nerd rock band uh, called Kirby Crackle. Um, so they, you know, they sing rock songs about nerdy things. Um, and this is a band that I discovered, I want to say 2000, in 2010, they had a booth at C2E2. Um, it was the first C2E2, which I think was 2010, but I might be wrong. But uh no, this was a band that had a booth, and uh, it's one of those things where I talked to them for a minute, and they gave me a postcard, and uh, later on I went home and I actually downloaded their album, and I just fell in love with this band. Like they have a lot of really catchy, funny songs. They're almost all about like sci-fi movies or superheroes or you know whatever, but they have this song called "The Great Lakes Avengers," which. If you read enough comics, you know that that's an actual superhero team as the Great Lakes Avengers. And I think it features like Squirrel Girl and a couple other just random characters that don't get a lot of play. But this whole song is about being a superhero or being someone with superpowers and trying to try out for different superhero teams. So the main character of the song, it says his superpower is he 
can fire tuna melts at people just on demand. He can just like <laughs> throw tuna melts all the, all over the place. And the whole song is about him going to different superhero groups and trying out for them. So there's like a line about like, I tried to join the X-Men, but I think they might be racist because he's a human and only mutants are on, are allowed on the X-Men. And then he tried to go to the Justice League, but Batman was an <laughs> asshole and nobody wanted to talk to them. And it, it's a really hilarious song. And it ends up the only team that would accept him is the Great Lakes Avengers. And it's kind of his reluctant, um, you know, swaying to finally join that team. And it's just like lyrically, it's a hilarious song. But then tonally, the song is just this really fast, like upbeat kind of punky song that's just really like. I listen to it all the time to pump me up because it's just like such a fun song and it's just such a funny concept. And this is just like for a convention going playlist, this is just kind of almost like a go to for me. Like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, first thing that pops uh, into the top of my head to start off my list. And Drew, I, like I said, I don't know if you're familiar with this band or song at all, but uh, it's definitely a great, uh, great song. And uh, you should check it out later on or something like that. So because I was a little focused on the uh, story of what you were telling about what the song is about what i I like half missed the name what is it called again so so the band is called kirby crackle um which is actually like a uh a stippling technique that jack kirby would use on his drawings um he would do it they'd call it kirby crackle which is basically anytime you would see like a uh in old Jack Kirby comic books, anytime you see like a like ball of fire or like a bunch of like right. energy rays and there's those weird like black dots all over, that's called Kirby Crackle or Kirby Dots. So that's what the band is named after. Um, and the song is uh, The Great Lakes Avengers. Great Lakes Avengers. That's what I thought. And then I was like, OK, hold on a second. Um, <laughs> we started talking about superhero teams and I'm like, did I miss the title of the song? <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Awesome. All right. So mine's kind of a cheat because it's an entire album. <laughs> um, but but you'll know so for my, for my first pick on my playlist, I picked the Beatles. Well, I couldn't I <laughs> just could. all the Beatles. Just that's my first song. Just no, I'm just kidding. No, I couldn't. I couldn't narrow it down to one song. Um, but um, and you'll understand why. And it's the entirety of the Tron Legacy score. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's but by yeah. Daft Punk. It's the entire score. Like the whole thing is phenomenal. So that's why I was like, there's no way to narrow this down to one track. Um, if I had to, it might be the one titled The Grid. But that's just because it's got the cool like um, the Jeff Bridges monologue at the beginning. And then it goes right into the score. And it's got the score building behind the monologue. And then it goes into the score. But um, either way, like the whole that whole thing is fantastic. And you can it doesn't matter where you're going. You could be doing you could be going to Target and this song is going to get you amped up. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I do so, think that. Um, no, you're right, because that is. Uh, oh, man, I didn't even think of Tron Legacy, but that is just a, an amazing soundtrack. And Daft Punk just killed it like that whole that whole way through. And uh, you really are right. Like, it's hard to pick out a standout track, but. In my opinion, that's kind of um, when you have like a really amazing album. I think that's like that's kind of a testament to it where you have this like collection of songs and there isn't a standout because they're just all really amazing. So it's hard to narrow down your favorite. Um, and I kind of feel that way about the Tron soundtrack. But uh, no, that's I mean, that's great music. That's definitely has that con going vibe. Uh 
no, that's a really cool pick. Um, yeah, yeah, good call. With uh, I, think that one. <laughs> I think it's funny that you laughed at me and then you're like, oh man, I didn't think about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, all right, man, what's your, what's your pick for the, what's your number four? Okay. So my next one is another superhero related song, but it's also a anime related song. Um, and I went with the one punch man theme song, which is called the hero. And it is by the band jam project. Um, so this is a Japanese rock song, um, at the beginning of one punch man, but it is just like, it's such a good song. Um, one Punch Man is a popular enough anime that I feel like this is a song you could sneak into a playlist and a decent amount of people would actually know what it is. But it also just has that really fast, upbeat tone to it that's going to get you pumped for going to a convention. Um, this song also has like kind of a weird. I'm pretty sure it's like a really current band, but uh the tone, I guess it's a lot of the lead guitars and stuff kind of harken back to more of a like 80s heavy metal vibe, which I don't know what it is, but like something about the 80s just has such good like nostalgic pop culture energy to it that anything that can kind of remind you of that time to me kind of really works for that sort of nerdy pump up uh, feeling, I guess. But uh, no, this was just a. This is just a really fun song. There's not too much to say about it, but it's if you know the show One Punch Man, like this song fits the vibe of that show perfectly. And it just it really does get you pumped up at the beginning of every episode. So, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I do not know this song, but um, I totally hear you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I might go look up. The, I might go look up the song just to hear it. I really yeah. oh, there's a lot of anime themes that I really, really like. Um, I, I think I've mentioned in the past, uh, like sword art online is, uh, anime that I really enjoy. Um, there's like four or five different themes, like every time, cause they go through, it's about video games. So like when it's, when each video game, every time they focus on a different game, the theme song changes. Um, but like each theme is like really cool. Um, so like there's a lot of anime songs that I've really, really enjoyed in the past. So this one, I, I might go look this up afterwards, even though I don't know the show that well. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, oh, the the one thing uh, I was going to mention, too, is uh, if you do look this up, try to look up the One Punch Man intro. I don't know if the band has an actual music video for it or anything, but if you watch it with the visuals of the One Punch Man intro, like it's just so great because the <laughs> the whole intro is just just visuals of one punch man, just like beating the crap out of different villains and monsters and stuff. And it just pairs so well with the music. So, um, yeah. Uh, what do you got? What do you got next on your list? So the next thing on my list is this is definitely a little bit more uh, contemporary in terms of music. It's complete has nothing to do with a movie at all. I just, it's, I absolutely love the song and it's because of the opening of the song. Um, and this is, it's the song, uh, paper cut by Lincoln park. Um, okay. Nice. The opening of the song sounds so otherworldly, if you will. Like it literally feels like it didn't come from Earth. Um, like there's something about the opening thirty seconds of the song that I'm just like, I feel like I'm somewhere else every time I hear the song, and I absolutely love it. So in the just the just in the realm of like getting me psyched up, just in the realm of like changing my mood and stuff like that, it's just a song that I just I love the way it sounds. Um, and I'm just I really like Linkin Park in general. So like if I was just driving around with friends, I'd probably have it on the car anyway. Um, 
but in terms of like the science fiction fantasy realm feel of things because of your thought of going to like a convention and wanting to have stuff on that's just one that went through my head i was like that's totally that would totally be on my playlist just because of how the opening of the song feels so no that's that's great um i'm trying to uh like i think if i was a professional base here's a really great question if you're a professional baseball player and you're, <laughs> and you're walking out to the plate because it's your turn at bat what's your walk-up music um and that's a really tough question to answer, but you got to remember you're only getting like 30 to sec, 20 to 30 seconds out of the song because you assume you're going to be at the plate and you got to swing the bat. The opening like chunk of paper cut would totally be my walk up music. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. I'm trying to uh, to figure out what that opening that opening to the song is. I think I'm going to have to listen to it right after the show. Um, the Linkin Park song that's playing in my head, I feel like might be the intro to Points of Authority. And I just, I'm trying oh. to, f- I'll, I'll have to listen same, to it. Same, al- sure same album. They're both on the same album. They're both, yeah, on, yeah. They're both on Hybrid Theory, but Paper Cut's the first track on Hybrid Theory. Yeah, uh, yeah, abs- absolutely. <laughs> and I think Hybrid Theory is my favorite uh, Linkin Park album, but. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. I always, for some reason, did associate Linkin Park lightly with like kind of the science fiction world. And I don't know why it is. I think like talking about hybrid theory, like there's that weird like uh, dragonfly wing guy on the cover of the album. And I always thought that kind of looked a little bit comic booky. But then I don't know. I think about um, I think it's the video for uh, Breaking the Habit was done in the same style as um, mm. kind of like kids story from the Animatrix. If you remember the kids story short, like I feel like it might be the same animation studio that did both of those videos. And that had like a weird science fiction uh, relation point. Yeah, Linkin Park. They were they were really big into uh, they were really big into uh, the um giant transformers and robots and all that stuff. And they actually did a lot of the music. They did, they helped with a lot of the music for the transformers films. Um, but they, oh, yeah, I forgot about that too. Yeah. But they, uh, it just, the reason I bring that up is because they have, um, you know, because they were part of that, like they had a lot of, they, they were just into that kind of stuff. So having that in terms of like an influence and stuff, but yeah. So. Yeah. The the other thing I was going to say too, is uh, back when the uh, first couple Halo games were coming out and uh, I was in high school and going to a ton of Halo land parties with my friends, nine out of 10 of those parties, people were playing Lincoln Park because <laughs> that's just what we were all listening to while playing Halo. Yeah. And that's another, um, that's another just kind of like odd, but uh, another re- related point where for some reason I always associated uh, Lincoln Park at least a little bit with, uh, you know, this cool nerdy world that we live in, at least in my head. But um, no, no, I think this is a great song and a great band. So, uh, yeah, just a really cool yeah. call for this one all around. Yeah. All right, dude. What's your next one? Yeah. So. um so with my next one, I, I was thinking about my list a little bit in terms of um, the movie High Fidelity, because there's a lot of jokes about making the the perfect mixtape in that movie and stuff. Yeah. And there's the line where, Drew, you might know it better than me, but you want to start out. You want to start out on a high note and then you have to turn it up a notch with your second song. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. With so your... I believe I'm, I'm I, I know I'm misquoting, but he says that. Um, uh 
he says that there's the rules to making a great compilation tape are a very subtle thing. You're using someone else's poetry to express the way you feel. You don't want to go. You don't want to go too big, too fast. So you got to start out with a nice, like even song to kind of get their attention. But then you got to bring it up a notch. But you don't want to um, blow your load too quickly because then you're going to have to bring yourself back down. There's a lot of subtle do's and don'ts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know I'm real close on that monologue, but I'm not. I know it wasn't exact, but yeah. No, but that's perfect. And that's actually exactly why I asked you, because I knew you would know the lines a lot closer than I would. What'd you say? Yeah, I just I love that movie and I love that. I love the way he talks about music in that movie. So anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Absolutely. So I was thinking about that. And that's why I started with um, Great Lakes Avengers, which is a upbeat song but then going into the hero by jam project that's a much um faster crazier upbeat song and then like we were just talking about um i you know you have to bring it down a notch like you don't want to blow your load and i did bring that my my third pick down a notch but it's not um not in the way you'd think like i didn't pick like your sixth grade dance like slow song i just wanted to pick a song that's a little bit more low-key and a little bit slower but still really badass and still related to this nerdy pop culture world that we love and that's why i went with the song red right hand by nick cave and the bad seeds uh drew you you know the song right um maybe okay well (laughs) refresh your memory (laughs) so this song i didn't realize this but it i guess they play it in uh peaky blinders so a lot of people know it from peaky Peaky blinders but it also has a tie to one of our favorite uh horror franchises um it's played like in multiple different scream movies and uh because i wanted something related to the world of horror and i wanted a little something that's a little bit more low-key but still really badass i went with this song um and it is a really good song when you listen to it it does have like a really gritty visceral like badass feeling to it but uh no i thought this would be a really good way to uh bring it down a notch but also subtly pump you up and uh because it has that relation to scream i thought it was a good pick but it also um what was i gonna say it's also like not necessarily the first thing you'd think of it's kind of like a little bit off the beaten path, but it's still something that people would recognize. So I thought that'd be a cool uh, pick to go with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, when you said Peaky Blinders, I remember it. And now I'm kind of it's coming back to me in terms of Scream. So, yeah, absolutely. You, next time you watch the Scream movies, you'll notice it because I feel like they play it in multiple ones and it just comes out of nowhere. And you're just like, man, they really love this song, but it's a it's a great song. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, what do you got next? All right, so my next one for the night, um, and this is one that definitely comes down to driving in a car and driving fast. And that, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just thinking, like, getting to the con quickly. Um, but, that's the back the, <laughs> but that's the Back to the Future theme song. Um, Great. Uh, Alan, Alan Silvestri, who's also known for the Avengers theme, and I'm surprised neither one of us brought up the Avengers theme, and maybe that should have been on there somewhere, but because uh, that's just a super iconic one just for the sake of going to a convention. Uh, but the Back of the Future theme, it just has this it's 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 the, it's the way it starts out. It's like these three notes that are just phenomenal. And it was really funny. I um, uh, at an old job, we had just finished uh, lunch break and we're all kind of like walking out of the break room and heading back to work. And I literally like hummed like the first two notes 
like I just did it. It was just in my head and I just hummed it the first two notes. And one of the guys goes, are you humming the back of the future theme? And I go, I am. But the fact that you got it from those two notes speaks volumes. Um, so yeah, no, this is just, (laughs) but that, but that theme that, uh, that fanfare, like back to the future has got such a phenomenal, like just get in the car and drive song kind of feel, you know what I mean? So, yeah. No, absolutely. It's a great, it's a great song. It's very iconic. And it's one of those, you don't know, a lot of people don't always think of it right away when you think of like the best film themes that are out there, but it certainly is one of the best and you hear it immediately and you get the, uh, you know, you're just, I don't know when I hear it in my mind, I'm just transported right into one of the back to the future movies. Like it's just a, it's such a perfect song. And, uh, no, yeah, this is just a great pick. I don't know if I have too much else to say, but yeah, right. this is uh, this is definitely yeah. a good one. All right, man, go ahead. Sweet. So uh, keeping the sort of uh, 80s nostalgia train alive, uh, my next pick on my list is You're the Best by Joe Bean Esposito. Um, and if people don't know this song, this is the Karate Kid song, the one that says you're the best around and no, yeah, nothing's going to yeah, ever keep yeah, you yeah. down. This is if you I feel like if you look up the definition of pump up song, this is the song that is pictured in the dictionary (laughs) for that definition. (laughs) Like this song, like you can't listen to it and not get a smile on your face. You can't not get pumped up to the song. Uh, It has that 80s vibe to it. It brings all the nostalgia feel. I thought this would be a perfect pick for um, for my playlist, but also in a really weird way, the transition between Red Right Hand and this song uh, actually works really well. <laughs> so I actually set up a playlist on my phone that, uh, you know, included all the songs and the uh, the verses to Red Right Hand and the verses to You're the Best kind of have a really similar uh rhythmic melody to them and it's kind of just really funny (laughs) the way that worked out but this is where you know we've cooled down for a bit with red right hand and now we're getting pumped up again as we're getting closer and closer to the convention so uh yeah that's my next pick i don't know if you have any thoughts on this one drew or if you wanted to move into your next one um no this is (laughs) and like you said in terms of like the 80s nostalgia craziness um this is (laughs) yeah this definitely gets you amped up for doing stuff like that (laughs) Basically, like a great, it's such a great montage song. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, if you're going to do a montage for anything, like this is like a great, like, like just a training montage. Um, but, and, you know, and th- they make enough, like, if you look at like Robot Chicken and stuff, when they make the montage jokes and um, the, this, the montage song that came out of, I, I don't remember if it was South Park or Robot Chicken that did the montage song. Um, that's just, this is this is one of the songs you think about right away when you think about that. So like even if you were but that would but that's that perfect con trip. Like it's a montage of you guys in the car on your way to the convention and then you're there. Like that's you use montages to speed up time, if you will. So <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I guess you could use the montage for uh I guess you could use your the song for your cosplay making montage too. That could be yeah, a yeah, yeah. good call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. You're the best. All right. Um, <laughs> so my last pick for the evening, this comes down to the fact that um, it's just it's a product of when I was born. It's a product of the fact that 
we're gonna we're sticking with the 80s montage we're sticking with the like amp you up thing there is a uh, youtube video with someone spliced this song with a whole bunch of star wars footage and it's amazing and if it doesn't get you psyched up well i think you're dead inside but that's all right um but the song i'm referring to is danger zone from top gun Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and I honestly, when I wrote it on my list, I was like, there's a chance that Peter and I match on this one. Um, <laughs> we don't, we don't, but this is a great call. Um, I didn't, I actually didn't think of this one, but no, this is, this and is it's awesome. literally, and, it, and this is one, this is one like uh, paper cut where it's all about the opening. Like the whole song's fantastic, but it's all about that opening that gets you just, yeah, let's go. <laughs> like, um, let's go, let's drive fast. Let's, you know, let's, let's get there. Let's, you know, be awesome. Um, and you just drive around thinking you're cool all day long. So, yeah, yeah it's Dangerous. it's a great pick. And I think it um, a lot of people think of it, this song in relation to Top Gun. But uh, I feel like I've known people who love this song who haven't even seen Top Gun, which sounds really weird. But, uh, you know, and those people definitely need to go watch Top Gun right away. But it is one of those songs that I do think stands on its own. And, uh, yeah, just the 80s nostalgia and the pump up factor. And, yeah, this is a great pick overall. Yeah. Um, and everyone should go watch Top Gun before the new one comes out. Absolutely. You will. So, um, yeah. Anyway, what's your final pick of the night? Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned, mentioned before, I was keeping the high fidelity playlist rules in mind a little bit while, uh, you know, compiling my picks, but I did break one of the rules because I, I think there's a line in the movie that, when you make a mixtape, you can't have the same artist on that list twice. And this is where I break that rule, because my last song is another song by the band Kirby Crackle. Um, I love these guys. These are this is seriously one of my favorite bands that they've got a lot of great songs, but they have one song um, and it's the I think it's the last song on the album that it's on. I would have to look it up to remember for sure. But the song is called Going Home. And the song is literally about going to a comic convention, but it's not really played up for laughs. It's the whole song is kind of composed in a way to give that feeling of just that joy and euphoria that you get um, within the anticipation of, you know, packing the car and getting everything ready to actually showing up at the con and experiencing the con. And it's just a really it's just a really good song that I think captures that feeling uh, perfectly. And I've heard uh, interviews with the band where they've talked about how, you know, that they're a nerd rock band. So they a lot of their tours were them going to different conventions and playing shows at conventions as opposed to uh, maybe the touring circuits of your typical rock band and how for them, like conventions were like a second home. And they and I feel like a lot of people listening to this podcast probably probably relate to that sentiment really well and so they wanted to make this song that kind of just gives you that feeling so this is just a really great one i don't really know too much to say without you know people going to listen to the song because it's kind of hard to explain but it's just you know they sing about all the details and all the warmth and uh joy of going to a convention and i think it was just really executed really well with this one so it was basically this song and Great Lakes Avengers that were the two songs I thought of that maybe inspired the idea of this top five list in general. But um, sure. yeah, um, 
yeah, this is just uh, this is a good one that I think everybody should check out. So nice. And like I said, I apologize again for not playing some of these songs. <laughs> I just don't know what we're allowed to do in the realm of copyright <laughs> stuff. There's so much stuff on the Internet right now where you play the wrong thing and your stuff gets taken down like it's just contract hell, I guess you could say. So I just didn't want to get us in trouble. So um, so that being said, do you want to know what we're doing next week? Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So I went and I kind of was looking at like lists we've done for a while. We haven't done a year in a little while. So I thought about doing a year list if you're up for it. Um, and and to, in picking this list, I was kind of looking at milestones. So I jumped back to a, a silver anniversary, if you will. So going back 25 years, we're looking at the movies from 1996. Interesting. All right. So 25 year anniversaries for every movie on that list. So just going back 25 years, we're in the middle of 2021. So I thought that'd be kind of cool to jump back 25 years and see what's celebrating a silver anniversary, if you will. Um, so, yeah, movies from 1996 next week. Um, but, yeah. I love doing the uh, when we go when we do a year and it's kind of a retro year like this. I do enjoy doing it because. I know I was in grade school somewhere in 1996, so I guarantee you I've seen a lot of movies, but some of the uh, bigger like Oscar worthy movies and stuff, I probably there's a good chance I missed. But it's kind of cool to go back and see, you know, Drew, you and I were probably in completely different places in life back in 1996. And I think it's fun to explore that a little bit um, and, you know, see. We were, but I already did a little bit of a sneak peek to take a look at what movies came out that year, and uh, I think we're going to have some good conversations. Some of the movies we I know we've discussed in the past, but I think we're going to have a good conversation next week about it. So Nice. Yeah. Um, all right, dude. Well, uh, you want to? that's another episode in the can if you want to end for the night. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Um, so, everybody, do us all a favor and check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> Yeah, Twitter and Facebook, along with the links to our email, top5report.com, top5report at gmail.com. Um, you can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, uh, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. Um, we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be posting all the latest details on where you might be able to find the next Where's Fluffy concert. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's a reference I haven't heard in a while. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, Restore the Snyderverse, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a good night.